Feel the rhythm, feel the rhyme, get on up, it's Movie Men time. That's right, we're back, and I'd like to welcome to the team for this Audio Olympiad, Johnny Smith. How are you doing, Johnny? I'm good, good, going for gold. Fantastic. Sticking the, the pun mood. Yeah, good, good. Johnny is the man behind the excellent film blog, The Latest Picture Show, so make sure you go and check out his wonderful wordcraft with your eyes as well as your ears. Uh, so, Johnny, the, uh, the trailer for the upcoming film Rogue One, A Star Wars Story, came out last week. And it appeared as if some scenes had been filmed on the London Underground, looking mainly like the Jubilee line, possibly a bit of Canary Wharf, um, which is a rather unlikely setting for a bunch of stormtroopers to be running around in. Uh, so if you could take someone from the world of film and put them somewhere they don't belong, who would it be and where would you put them? I think sticking, sticking with the Star Wars theme, mm -hmm. I mean, you think I'd take Darth Vader. Yeah. Big, big evil bad guy. You take him and put him in a really mundane sort of office job, mm -hmm. uh, sort of like the office or something, doing a lot of admin and paperwork and managing a small team, because I think he'd probably be terrible at that. Didn't they do this in Family Guy? Maybe they did do it in Family did. Guy. Well, we're on the same wavelength. <laughs> so he's, you're basically saying his micromanaging is, is not that great? Yeah, I mean, he does a lot of choking people mm. and... Generally, well, that's a uh, that's a uh, NHR issue straight away. Well, exactly. I mean, he's going to have bashing heads with human resources. Yeah. Um, like, well, <laughs> the death, the HR department on the Death Star just getting overworked. <laughs> and obviously, his heavy breathing would be a nightmare. In a yeah, small that would th that would be the most annoying thing. Whenever you've worked with someone who's like eats too loud or just is like smells or something. I used to work with somebody who stunk. And it was like unbearable. It smelled like the whole office. Anyway. Yeah, Darth Vader, there you go. You know, stick him in an office. Stick him in an office and see how he gets on. Probably not that great. Uh, well, I've gone for Training Day's Detective Alonzo Harris. I'm going to stick him in Fargo with Marge Gunderson. She's pregnant. She's doing her whole... So they're both detectives, aren't they? So they're looking yeah. around. It could be the most bizarre buddy cop thing. He's trying to get her to smoke weed and take drugs with, it, with him. And she's not up She's got a baby. It's just very bizarre. And she that would grind his gears big time, I think. Yeah, and he'd, he'd obviously, you know, struggle with the, the small town rules. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a pretty lawless guy. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't really adhere to anything except <laughs> yeah. causing as much trouble as possible. Yeah. But he'd probably like a good wood chippering. Yeah. He'd, I think he'd be, he'd be a keen advocate. He'd be, first, he'd be first in the line to, to get, the wood, <laughs> yeah. get the wood chipper going and get Steve Buscemi running through it. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. That, that's true. But, um, you know, he plays by his rules. Nobody else is, not even Marge Gunderson's, so... Then there could be a clash there. I was actually thinking about doing the cast of Straight Outta Compton at a Donald Trump rally, but um, <laughs> I thought, yeah, it might be might be a bit too touching the butt, touching. I don't know what are you say. Just not good. <laughs> One of those phrases. <laughs> touching wood, clothes, touching wood, cloth, wood. Yeah, that's not really what I was going for. But I mean, other things I'd written down was putting Ray Winston in Pride and Prejudice. Right. In his his sort of like. Real East End gangster, well, again, sexy he, beast mode. He played Henry VIII as well. In a I can TV see him as Henry VIII. Yeah, but did Henry VIII really speak like Ray Winston? Probably not. No. Probably didn't get on Cleveland Slags. For as long as I can remember, Champion. it has been my ambition <laughs> to become an Olympian. Eddie, you are not an athlete. Okay, so the purpose of tonight's pod is to review Eddie the Eagle. Out in cinemas at the moment, uh, it's directed by Dexter Fletcher of Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels and Band of Brothers fame when he was an actor. Uh, he's become a director and he's done a couple of smaller things, but this is his first really big film. And it's a biopic of the British ski jumper Michael Eddie Edwards, who overcame, overcame a number of obstacles to compete at the 1988 Winter Olympics in Calgary. It stars British actor Taron Egerton as Eddie 
and Hugh Jackman, strangely, as his alcoholic coach Bronson Peary, who's trying to get away from his sporting past himself. Uh, the support from Keith Allen, Joe Hartley, and very bizarrely, Christopher Walken. So, uh, Johnny, first off, is this film more 80s than Rick Astley and Shoulder Pads? It's certainly, it goes hand in hand. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's sort of a shame that Rick Astley didn't even appear on the soundtrack. He should, yeah, he would have been fitting but in. Then that would have exactly. been so much 80s, it might have created a, a time warp or something. <laughs> We've gone straight Parallel away. world. Everyone would have woken up in shell suits. Perfect. That's, my, that's the kind of world I want to live in. I mean, yeah, very 80s. Good synth keyboards in there. Yeah, it was very Casio keyboard-esque score, isn't it? Yeah. It, it kind of reminded me of something like out of a CBBC, like Play Days or something. That was basically yeah. what the score was like. Just a bit of a play around on yeah. the Casio keyboard. Yeah, it was very, yeah, it's very 80s and that, that sense of things. But also just the look and feel of it as well. Yeah. Obviously, they have to, don't they? Because it's set in the 80s. Yeah, but it's all set in the 80s, but then made the film like a good 80s, you know, there's a, it's basically one long montage, a lot of the film. Yeah. And the 80s was the era of montage. Except quite early on, there's that bit where he's uh, waiting at a bus stop. And that bus stop is clearly not from the 80s. Yeah, they don't exist anymore. No one can be bothered to build one. It's like the most modern day bus stop. They'd be like, oh, we can overlook that. That's absolutely fine. Just put some synth keyboard in the background. No one will, no one will question it. And, and an almost sinister moment as well when Keith Allen pulls up in a van and starts talking <laughs> to a young boy and it's totally unexplained why he's doing so. But then it is later revealed that he is his dad, so it's okay. But for a moment, I was, yeah. I was thinking, are we getting back into spotlight territory here, is it? Yeah, Eddie the Eagle's dark past. Yeah. Yeah. Not casting any explosions, please don't sue us. There was a good training montage with a bit of Hall and Oates over the top. And yeah. that, that's, you know. Did you notice as well that later on they had a Jump by Van Halen? As yeah, well? I thought that was, they really went for it with that. Yeah. And if anyone hadn't guessed it as well, they just made the cut just so it was just saying Jump the whole time. <laughs> yeah. There was none of the actual lyrics, none of the solo, just Jump all the they time. They should have superimposed, you know, like the, the music video over the top as well. Yeah. With Van Halen doing their big air kicks and things. David Lee Roth's massive <laughs> flying splits in midair, that would have been awesome. When yeah. he gets his leg behind his head. Yeah. Just, they should have just cut that into the montages. Yeah, just clips of Van Halen's jump video. Well, how many montages were there, could you count? There was, there was the As a Child montage, yeah. him trying out different sports. There was the uh, training montages, obviously, as we mentioned. There was him before. crashing, crashing montage. Lots of crashing montages. Him touring around Europe with his coach montage. <laughs> That's just four of the top. I think they're must. I think they're pretty pushing ten montages. You know, the whole film is is quite riddled with cliche, isn't it? Really, kind of because, you know, you've got Keith Allen, who I've just mentioned there, playing his dad as this, you know, really unsupportive, like oh, don't want to give up on your dream, it's pointless kind of dad, yeah. which is. Which is actually very inaccurate because that's not what Eddie Edwards' dad was like. But well, the sort of cliches just come out in the film. I mean, Hugh Jackman's a bit of a bit of a cliche. You know, he's like as a man. I mean, not as a man. Maybe as a man, but in uh, as his as his coach, Eddie's coach. Yeah. He's, you know, grumpy alcoholic. Grumpy brash. You know, he, he's he's messed up in a former life, and he has to redeem himself through Eddie, and it's sort of a bit, you know, the American cliched. Uh, coach sort of part uh, there was also you know that fantastic scene where he's, he's he's doing the Swiss Tony from the far shows you know being a bobsledder is like making love to a beautiful woman that's that <laughs> cliche they got that one in what other ones are in there like uh, the, just generally the, the whole underdog story is a cliche itself yeah I mean, like the thing that they're reducing ski jumping into like four moves it's like <laughs> it's just up down back left right yeah and so then like suddenly a, Eddie's nailed ski jumping sounds like a cheat on the PS2 yeah. yeah it's like Grand Theft Auto get unlimited weapons and money I mean this is the 80s so 
back in the glory days of cheating, yeah. game cheating. So maybe that's what they went for. The Scandinavians in the sauna as well. Yeah, that's, pretty that's a classic. The, the, you know the the sort of Europeans who look down on. Yeah. Eddie being a bit of an idiot. He's yeah. not, not taking his sport seriously. These cultured Northern European Winter Olympians. Yeah. Including a man with the largest face I've ever seen in my life. It's like an Easter Island statue. But he, he's, he's also grown an enormous beard as well, just to accentuate the fact he has the largest jaw on God's earth I mean, himself. Just probably to... doubling up as a Yeti yeah. in his spare time, I would say. It's a bit crazy. But I, I mentioned before as well that Christopher Walken makes an appearance. How did that work for you? A weird, kind of a weird surreal moment. I'm not sure anyone could quite understand how he appeared there. But he also no. looked a bit shit. Yeah. Christopher Walken had seen better days. He looked r- and Christopher Walken looked rough at the best of times. And he probably. has the same haircut, though. Yeah. But it's very... Because, you know, he, he appears in a picture earlier on. And I was like, is that, is that Christopher Walken? <laughs> yeah. Can that be Christopher Walken? And it turns out it was Christopher Walken. Yeah, you go for a second, a second glance. And then you get the book with his face on you go no that is Christopher Walken you think yeah. well he's got to appear at some point they can't just put his pitch all over this film <laughs> yeah, exactly. for him not to appear at any point and he does he sort of appears out of a, in a bathroom yeah very really true so Taron Edgerton as well he plays the main character he plays Eddie Eddie Edwards how do you think he did how did you find him in the film because he's not the most experienced actor he's a young British guy um, how did you find him yeah I think he, I think he did he, he nailed it pretty well because Eddie's sort of I think at the start Eddie sort of leans on the simple side, like you think maybe Eddie's not quite all there. Mm. But then he sort of comes into it and you go, he's just a bit naive and, yeah. and you know, not very worldly. And With his Gloucestershire accent. Yeah, and his yeah. big big chin. Yeah. Big chin and glasses. <laughs> he's constantly pushing up. Yeah, he spends a lot of time pushing them up. You know, it's a biopic. They do have to, you know, they can only work with what they've got and that is, I suppose, quite similar to what Eddie Yeah, Edwards I think if you, like. you, you compare it to the real Eddie, then... Yeah. They've, they've nailed it without making Eddie look too simple. Yeah. But he, I thought it was a really good performance for him. It was, you know, kid, that role could really descend into just slapstick. Yeah, actually, yeah. But I, don't, I think he kind of treads the line quite well. I think, he, I think it is fairly measured to a degree, without, but still getting across the point of the actor. Yeah, you, character, you get sort of the sympathy from him without going, this man is a complete moron. <laughs> you know, he's, he's got heart and he's determined and you can get behind him. In terms of a, a filmmaking, you know, enterprise and in terms of entertainment and everything put together, how would you, how would you sort of rate the film? It's, it's a good, solid outing. You know, it's, it's a big, rousing, feel-good sort of film mm. and... God, you know, it doesn't take itself too seriously. No, no, that's a good. It's movie. just a. It's one of those films at the end. You go, that was nice. Yeah. I feel better for watching it. Yeah, it was an. It's more of an enjoyable experience rather yeah. than anything that you go to. But ah, oh, that's superb camera work. There. Yeah. It had a. It had a slight B movie feel to it. Yeah, it felt very sort of bit naff eighties, which I think is what it was sort of going for. You yeah, know, yeah. On that. It does feel like the kind of film that you know could easily have just been made for TV drama. Either. Yeah, yeah. But you know, I feel I feel better for seeing it. Yeah, I felt a better person at the end of the film. Exactly. So, what are we giving out of ten? I think I'll give it a good solid seven and a half. Seven and a half. Seven and a half. Good, solid, enjoyable fun. Uh, I've got written down seven, but I'll, I'm going to join you on seven and a half. It was. It I was... thought it was seven, and then I was like, "Didn't I give Batman versus Superman last week six? And I thought <laughs> it, it's it's better than one point more. The unreleased Batman versus Superman. Yeah, I'm not sure what I was thinking. <laughs> I was kicked off every team I was ever on before I even got a chance to prove myself. That's why I need my own moment. It's a world that doesn't want to know you. So what's new? I don't know what it's like to be written off. I can get you your moment. It's going to hurt like hell. Okay, Johnny, so we've set our stool out 
as a sports podcast tonight, sports movie podcast. So it would, you know, it would be a disservice if we didn't have our own little challenge, our own little competition to see how you do naming characters from sports movies. Okay, so yeah. how you, is this your area of expertise? Are you? I can't say it's probably an, an area of expertise, but I'll I'll give it my best shot, like. Eddie the Eagle. Okay. If he okay. can jump off a ski jump, I can possibly answer some questions on sports films. Start off with, how about Chubbs Peterson? Chubbs Peterson. Mm. Mm, probably not English. Focus on the first name would be my... Uh, Chubbs. Would be my advice. I'm struggling. I'm going to go with the Mighty Ducks, because I've just plucked it out of nowhere. Unfortunately not. Chubbs Peterson is Happy Gilmore's coach. Uh, just tap it in, just tap it, tap, tap, tap it in. Too, too long hand, ago. Munched up by an alligator. Well, that's Chubbs Peterson. Uh, number two, Santiago Munez. Ah, uh, classic. The man the man who saved Newcastle. And then, <laughs> then the world of, of goal fame. Yes, the finest striker Alan Shearer ever played alongside. It's Santiago true. Munez, a Mexican footballer, Mexican-American footballer. Who goes and plays for Newcastle United and then eventually at Real Madrid in the Goal Films franchise. Okay, so that's that's one out of two so far. Solid. Yep, solid. Right, number three. Peter Lafleur. Ah. No ring I, It is Dodgeball. Yes. Dodgeball. Yes. That is uh, Vince Moore's character in Dodgeball. It is. Head of Average Joe's Gym. Leads against into... uh, Globo. Globo Gyms. Globo Gym. I could have gone with any one of their team. They're such good names. Yeah, when imagine. he's introducing them, when uh, Ben Stiller's introduced him, he's like, Blaine, <laughs> Laser, Blazer. <laughs> <laughs> so that is a very quotable film, Dodgeball. If you can dodge a, if you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. Dip, duck, dodge, dive and dodge. I can't remember if I got Which that Which is very order. similar to Eddie the Eagle's advice. <laughs> yeah, that's true. What is the order? I can't remember. Who cares? Those are the five Ds. Imagine when Eddie got to the top of the ski slope. He went, duck, dodge. Oh, wrong, wrong, wrong sport. Wrong, wrong instructions, quick. What was the right ones? <laughs> and something for later, Johnny. I got some shackles in the back if you're into that kind of thing. <laughs> Just kidding. But seriously, I got them. Uh, number four. Ricky Bobby. Uh, Ricky Bobby. Name checked in before you go any further. I just want to say, actually, no, you answer the question. I'll, I'll give you the information afterwards. Talladega Nights. Talladega Nights, yeah. Will Ferrell's game. Have I gone too easy on this? Oh, I, I don't know. I was, I was feeling a bit worried after the first question. Yeah, for Chubbs. Well, I, I actually had down uh, Shooter McGavin originally. I was like, that's too obvious. Gonna get that all day long. <laughs> so, yeah, Ricky Bobby, Talladega Nights. Um, name checked in a song. What song is it? It's. Uh, Bedrock by Young Money. Oh, is it? Yeah. Something about Ricky Bobby. You can find me in the lobby. Something like those lines. So, yeah. Three out of four. Doing all right so this far, right. I'm going for gold now. You are, yeah. Actually, yeah. I reckon one more and you'll be matching the flying fin from Eddie the Eagle, who's the gold medalist. Spoiler, but it happened in 1988. So, if you, you know your Olympic you know history, this. you should know this by now. Uh, number five, and I reckon you'll definitely know this. Carl Spackler. Carl Spackler, that's a good name. <clears throat> yeah. What does Carl Spackler do? What does Carl Spackler do? I'll tell you what he does in a sec. Hmm, struggling on this one. Great character. Carl Spackler. Probably the best sports movie character of all time, I'm going to say. I just don't know. I'll say Rocky, I'll say as his trainer. Carl Spackler is the head groundsman in Caddyshack, played by Bill Murray. Uh... So when you say what does he do, he blows up 
gerbils. No, not gerbils. Hates, hates blows, blows up gophers. Gerbils? He's got nothing against gerbils. <laughs> Who can have anything against gerbils? So yeah, he blows up go- gophers in Caddyshack. So what a character that is. Bill Murray's performance in that is absolutely... What an excellent film. Pristine. Pristine? I keep, getting, I keep saying the wrong words today. Supreme will do. Pristine, He's, supreme. Yeah. Sustine. That's gold medal territory right there. I think uh, silver verging on gold. Silver on, on a lucky gold. day. Yeah, in a, in a weak year, that is that is a yeah. gold medal. Snow, you don't have any. It's 900 degrees out there. Time, you don't have any. The Olympics are in three months. Some people say, you know, they can't believe. Jamaica, we have about plenty. No people say, you know, they can't believe. Jamaica, we have about plenty. Well, ladies and gentlemen, our archive film tonight needs no introduction, but I'm going to introduce it anyway, just in case there's one or two of you out there in the whole entire world listening to this who are yet to have seen Cool Runnings. Now, this film is a biopic of the Jamaican bobsleigh team who overcame a number of obstacles to compete at the 1988 Winter Olympics in Calgary. <laughs> Sounds Wait familiar. Just <laughs> having a bit deja vu here, Johnny. Um, it stars Leon, just Leon. <laughs> Presumably, yeah, so have a second yeah, presumably not the one from the Jean Reno film, but he's you know the main character in it. That would have been good for the opening question. <laughs> put put John Reno from Leon into the Cool Runnings bobsleigh team. <laughs> into the Cool Runnings bobsleigh team, <laughs> because yeah, the 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 actor's name is just Leon. I think I missed something from the early nineties here, and uh, John and uh, Dougie Doug, Dougie Doug, is uh, plays Sanka. He's another one of the characters in there. Uh, presumably attempting some mid-90s association with Snoop Doggy Dog. He's like the yeah. low-rent version of Snoop Dogg <laughs> in the early 90s. And then John Candy plays the gambling addict coach who's trying to get away from his sporting past. <laughs> so I'm beginning to see some uh, similarities between the two films. I should mention, actually, first that that film was directed by John Turtletaub, who would then go on to direct the National Treasure series of films. Or I think it was just two, wasn't there? So a couple yeah. of films. Um, so yeah, there's uh, have we just watched the same film twice, Johnny? There's quite a few uh, similarities here. I did feel that watching watching Cool Runnings back after many many years, I did think it does feel a lot like Eddie the Eagle. I mean, the fact that they're at the same Olympic Games, Rasta Eddie the Eagle, is is kind of uh, worrying. Yeah, similar. 1988 Olympics was obviously the best Winter Olympics of all time. <laughs> yeah. Everything happened there. But it has a lot of the same cliches as well, kind of, doesn't it? Yeah, and you know, there's. The sort of classic that they, you know, they shouldn't be doing the sport. Yeah. But then they persevere with it and they get a coach who's reluctant to do it because he's got a troubled past. He's shamed his sport. And the rest of the sport think think that you know they're losers making making fun of the sport. But you know the styles of the film are very different though. Styles of the two films. Yeah, I think that you know there's a lot of cool runnings is is the dynamic between the the four bobslayers. Mm. It sort of revolves around them and the fact that... Leon, Dougie Doug, and two others who never appeared in the film again in their lives. The, the bald one. The bald one. Yul Brynner. Yul Brynner. At some stage I was really... Because I don't remember having watched him from when I was a kid too much, but at some stage I was expecting it to be explained why he was called Yul Brynner. I'm assuming just because he's bald. Yeah. No one ever, ever pushed to that. He no. was just Yul Brynner because <laughs> he's bald. Unexplained, yeah. unexplained Yul Brynner. Yeah. Maybe it was Yul Brynner. <laughs> You're with a lot of prosthetics. There's a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of um, controversy about white actors now tanning up their skin and getting a bit darker. Maybe Yul Brynner just, you know, back in the day in the 90s where it was more acceptable, maybe it was actually the Yul Brynner. 
Yeah, like um, in Tropic Thunder when Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. is a dude playing a dude. You said, you know, you haven't watched it for a long time, neither do I. How does it hold up? Not too bad. It's a bit dated in the 90s and probably sets Jamaican stereotypes back <laughs> about 20 years. They probably only just recovered from Cool Runnings. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, uh, it, you know, it holds up all right because you watch Eddie the Eagle, which is a very similar film. Yeah. Probably don't watch Eddie the Eagle and Cool Runnings together too quickly you because to. they will just blur into one montage <laughs> yeah just one massive massive long montage yeah this is full of montages you had the training montage again yeah. it is a funny film though the, the comedy elements come out i think better than in eddie the eagle yeah eddie the eagle's probably a bit more a bit soppier yeah whereas uh cool ranks a bit, a bit more fun yeah a bit more of a laugh it, it does start off very uh, dated. I think the opening is a bit. The eighties. The opening is really dated. Yeah. With him running through the town. Yeah. And, and some sort of like. The graphics as well. Bring yes. It up. Yeah, and then it gets into it a bit more as it goes on. I think it, it holds up a little bit more as time goes on. Yeah. But actually, mention those graphics at the beginning. Did you notice a famous name? I saw Hans Zimmer. <laughs> Hans man, Zimmer. man who scores everything just cropping up in there. Yeah. Hans Zimmer did the score for Cool Runnings. Who knew? Yeah. I'm assuming he was the one that wrote the uh, first Jamaican bobsleigh team song. <laughs> yeah, I can I can but assume. Either that or Doggy Doug. Dougie Doug. Dougie Doug in his rapping spare time. Yeah. What does this kind of have over Eddie the Eagle? Because there's something a bit indefinable about... Cool Runnings, it just can't, it just works, doesn't it? It's the same cliched story, cliche again, sorry. It's the same story we've seen a lot of times before, but for some reason this just sticks in your head more. Yeah, I mean, probably because when we were kids it came out mm. and it was like, this great sporting event. Look at these cool rasters. Yeah, because obviously no one knew anything about Jamaican people. So from then on, all you, every time you saw a Jamaican person, you'd go, God, they're probably good at bobsleighing. <laughs> they'd tell you to piss off quite quickly. Yeah. Everyone sank her with his lucky egg. Yeah. It has an extra element, I suppose, from Eddie the Eagle, because you have that sort of underlying hint of racism throughout it as yeah. well, don't you? There is that sort of dark element to it as well. That's pretty why they picked on the East Germans. They didn't want to, <laughs> they didn't really want to pick on, I don't yeah. know, the Swedish or the Finns or something like that who are still a country. Yeah. yeah. Kick the East Germans while they're down. Exactly. Kick, kick that wall down and then kick the East Germans oh. behind the wall. I was going to say, well, well maybe... Well, 1988 Olympics, when they, they maybe softened the hearts of the East Germans and, yeah. then, and the wall came down the next year. So, so what we're saying is the Jamaican bobsleigh team was responsible for the end of the Cold War? Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. With no hint of exaggeration. Maybe whatsoever. watching Cool Runnings back now, it's, you know, in the context of what followed, you've got a real political undertone in there. It gives, gives you a whole different dynamic. <laughs> exactly, who knew? If we look Jamaican, walk Jamaican, talk Jamaican, and is Jamaican, then we sure as hell better bobsled Jamaica. Feel the rhythm. Feel the ride. Get on up. It's bobsled time. Well, there's also been a, a couple of quick bits of news to round up this week in the in the movie world. Um, so first off, this podcast has always been a big fan of the Fast and Furious franchise. Uh, and the next one coming out is Fast and Furious 8. And it's just been announced that Charlize Theron is going to be playing one of the supervillains in the upcoming one. Obviously, it's going to be the first one since Paul Walker died. What do you think of Charlize Theron playing a supervillain in Fast and Furious? Does that fit for you? Does that work? I mean, I think anything goes in Fast and Furious, so why not? Why can't Charlize Theron be the supervillain? It doesn't really make any sense. It seems like a pretty strange role for her to take on. 
Well, she's got background. It could be it could be the monster style Charlize Theron that yeah. comes out, or the Mad Max style Charlize Theron. Exactly, you know. So she's she's got a bit of form in that. that she's area. got some form in, in driving cars recklessly. Yeah. So she probably did Mad Max. Though I might as well use these talents in a <laughs> yeah. in another franchise. And uh, also another big thing that's happened is it's a lot pretty slightly bigger. The Oscars board have uh, announced they're going to make their election process a lot more democratic and transparent. Um, I don't know how you can make an election much more democratic, really, but uh, there's, a, there's a few things they've announced they're going to do just to make sure that there's a bit more diversity on the panel because obviously there's a lot of criticism about this year's event and there was the, the boycott by the Smiths and by Spike Lee as well. So, positive step? Yeah, I think so. You know, it's probably a step that needs to be taken because they did get a lot of flack. They did. Whether they sort of deserved it or not, mm. I think, is a different question, but... You've got to be seen to doing something, mm. I think, to address it. So, yeah, a bit of a can of worms, obviously, whether they, they deserved it or not. Yeah, it's you know, it's it's. I think at least sort of straight out of content should have had a bit more recognition. Yeah, definitely. It. Straight out of Compton. That's my that's my home county's. Uh, straight out of Compton should have had a bit more. Straight out of Compton. So yeah, I think that's is whatever. It's, it's got to be a positive step, hasn't it? Yeah, I think so. You can't can't argue with that. Cinderella story out of nowhere. A former greenskeeper now. About to become the Masters champion. It looks like I'm a wreck. It's in the hole. It's in the hole. Hey, he drops it. I was hoping. Okay, right. So on now with three fast, three furious time. Now, for anyone who's forgotten, because we it has been a while since we released a podcast. Johnny's going to be taking on the role of Tony Harrison, who used to do this for us. Uh, tiny, tiny shoes to fill, Johnny. I wouldn't worry too much about it. But Three Fast, Three Furious. Um, Johnny, would you just quickly explain what the concept of this is for us? Basically, I'm going to... I've got 30 seconds to explain three film trailers. I'm actually going to set the clock for you now, yeah. Well, I hear the yeah. buzz there. Yeah. Um, so I've basically just got to ramble as quickly as possible in 30 seconds to give you a brief glimpse of, of what trailers for future films have got in store. Well, I'm very excited, Johnny. There's a lot of responsibility as well, because it could be that the films that you say now are the ones we pick out to do later as well. So. It could be. I've got a, a good mix mix this week. And as I said as well, Tony Harrison used to do it for us, so I won't worry too much. You could, just, you could sit there in silence for 30 seconds and it'd probably be better. <laughs> uh, I'm just kidding, Tony. Right, Johnny, so I'm going to put 30 seconds on the clock, which I've already done. You've, you ready? Do you want me to give you a 3, 2, 1 countdown? Yeah, why not? Okay. Right, so... In time on a tradition... Actually, let's do it the cool running style of the Swiss team. Um, Eins, zwei, drei. Uh, Star Wars Rogue One. Star Wars spin-off featuring young posh English actress Felicity Jones bringing down the Death Star again. A bit like the other Star Wars, but there's some uh, tube stations in there. Next. The Nice Guys. We've had the other guys, now it's the Nice Guys with Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe. Looks a bit like the Sweeney, but with a sentimental heart. Next. Uh, a hologram for the king. Tom Hanks sings about talking heads in the desert and wonders just how he ended up in this film because there is literally no plot to it. You've got five seconds to, uh, Phil. It looks awful. Don't watch the last one. <laughs> okay, good. Sorry, I, uh, I moved you on a bit too early on the second one there. I just That's got right. too excited. I wouldn't be very good timing an Olympic event. Yeah. So, um, I'm not going to lie, I was concentrating a lot more on the timing than I was on the actual name of the films themselves. So, we had uh, Star Wars was the first Rogue, one. Rogue we one. sort of touched on, you know, they have a, they have a run through Canary We've War. We've spoken about that at the beginning, yeah. I've seen Canary Wharf before. I did a couple of weeks' work experience there. I don't want to ever, ever go back there again, so I'm going to rule out watching that one. But have you seen Stormtroopers chase someone through it? So, that's, no, I haven't. I haven't. But, but I mean, I've, I imagine that's very similar to a Russia commute. But it sounds like I've seen every other element of the plot. 
if yes. I've seen the other Star Wars films. I mean, it's just like the last one because you've got a English actress who's a, there's the first line of the trailer is is the woman goes, why why do you rebel so much? And she goes, because I'm a rebel. You go, oh dear. That, I mean, That's the best line they could pick for a trailer. Then we're we're in trouble. Is, are they still? Is the writer's strike still on or something? <laughs> <laughs> that is diabolical. <laughs> Right, so what do we have up next? Uh, then we have the nice guys. Oh yeah, the nice guys. Yeah. So Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe in the seventies in LA. No, we're talking about when you said like the Sweeney. Are we talking about the movie, the Sweeney remake? Are we talking about the nineteen seventies? The original one. Yeah. Looks like a glossy version of the Sweeney. So Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling, you know, unlikely pairing, go yeah. round and and save the day, and you know, don't like each other but probably become friends in the end, like yeah. every other body film. Yeah. Not Plan B in this one. No, no Ray Winston and Plan B. Ray Winston and Plan B. Most rotund Sweeney ever. <laughs> yeah, Ray Winston in the Flying Squad. That makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? <laughs> Russell Crowe and Ron Gosling, that can be really interesting. Yeah, I think, it'll be, I think it will, it will do all right. When you've got that star power in there, mm. and then we add Hologram for the King. Mm. Which, That's one which, of the worst films. Which we, we both saw the trailer for, and... It, 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 I didn't even know where to begin with it, because the trailer told me nothing. <laughs> Tom Hanks is in a desert and he has to sell a hologram to a, a sheik or something and then... I could make head, neither head nor tail of it. And then at one point he sings Talking Heads. It was very odd. It smacked it to me in that when I was watching that trailer that he signed on to do a, a set number of films and they were like, we've, we've got nothing else for you. Do you want to go to Saudi Arabia and just stand in a desert for no reason? There didn't even seem to be any conflict. No. <laughs> that was, I thought, well, he's going to be in a war-torn place. No. Yeah. There's just no one there because no one wants to see the film or be in it. Yeah. Using Talking Heads as a, as a point, you could say the film is on the road to nowhere, quite literally. <laughs> That's about as good as the uh, the Rebel line. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll get a job writing the next Star Wars. Nice one, son. You'll be an all-star yet. Just remember the five Ds of dodgeball. Dodge, duck, dip, dive, and dodge. Till next time, this is Patches O'Houlihan saying take care of your balls and they'll take care of you so to conclude tonight's podcast as is traditional we're going to do a top five and this time it's going to be johnny's turn to do a top five johnny what is the subject of the top five this week well in you know following on from eddie the eagle and cool runnings two mm -hmm. great olympic underdogs i've gone for the top five sporting underdog films good good so you know i've, I've excluded those two because we, we've covered them mm. so you know put them where you want in this list so, starting out at number five, fifth in the, in the podium, although there's only three spaces in the podium, so ignore that. Crowded podium. <laughs> yeah, poached on the end. Um, we've already mentioned it, but Dodgeball, with the subtitle, A True Underdog Story. Yes. So, you, you have to put it in there, because it's, you know, it is an underdog story. Mm. Not my words, the words of Dodgeball. <laughs> so, you know, we, we've touched on it, great film. Fantastic film, Dodging yeah. wrenches. Yeah. Dodging balls. It was the golden age of the frat pack, I'd say, that kind of yeah. turn of the century, early 2000s era stuff. Yeah. Four, Rocky. Yeah. You've got to have Rocky in there. But Which Rocky one? won. Okay. Not Rocky five or six or Creed, which was <laughs> sort of Rocky seven, really. Yeah. Why Why Rocky won over the other? I think because it's got the classic montage of the, the rousing Rocky music and he's running up the steps and he punches some meat. Yeah. You know, that was the... Not real... metaphor. <laughs> no. He doesn't need the money that much. Uh, yeah, I think you've got to go with the classic one. Yeah. Although he probably goes over more adversity in three and four. You know, he's fighting the Cold War single-handedly. Yeah, that's time true. Drago. He did that a lot, Sylvester Stallone, didn't he? he? 
he fought the Cold War. He almost did more to bring down communism than the Jamaican bobsleigh team did. That's true. In between going to Vietnam and shooting everyone with Rambo. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, Rocky, underdog, not only taking on Apollo Creed, but the entire Eastern European world. Also, we get some of Sylvester Stallone's mangled dialogue as well. It's great. Adrian! (laughs) Is, which was the one where he has to read off um, he's doing an advert and he has to that's read off some good. cue cards I think that's the second one when he's, he's got a bit famous because the hilarious thing about that is they're trying to make it a joke or not a joke but like you know that he's been damaged in the ring but that's actually what Sylvester Stallone <laughs> yeah. speaks like anyway they're just basically taking the crap out of Sylvester Stallone acting <laughs> yeah <laughs> on to number three which is, is a bit of a weird one but filled of dreams mm-hmm. Kevin Costner build it and they will come if you build it they will come I mean, reading the, the plot summary is Kevin Costner's a farmer who is told to build a baseball pitch in his garden, which he then by, does. By? Who did by the ghost of, of <laughs> by the ghost. basketball or baseball past? Now, I want to know how that script didn't end up straight in the, uh, in the shredder. But then he builds it, and then ghosts of former great baseball players appear and start playing. I mean, in what world does any of that make sense? But why would you want that, really? I suppose it would be interesting, but you'd have a load of ghosts cruising around. I mean, Kevin Gosling's an underdog in it, because no one in their right mind would ever build a baseball pitch in their garden and expect ghosts to appear and play on it. So. Well, let's just think logically. If a ghost came to you and said, could you build a baseball pitch for me to, and my friends to play ghost baseball on, would you say... Absolutely I'd not, probably no. say I'm having a breakdown I need help desperately <laughs> <laughs> I think that's probably the one thing to take from that bizarre but an underdog story because he got ghosts to come and no one thought he could do it oh well, exactly that, that is the, the essence of the underdog is it exactly it? Um, number two coming into the, the silver territory is Chariots of Fire yeah from 1981 very close to being the archive film until we realised that Cool Runnings was a film and Chariots of Fire is about 45 minutes longer. Yeah, yeah. Time constraints. That's a big factor. <laughs> um, yeah, it's probably the most serious one on the list. I mean, obviously, Field of Dreams is very serious. Mm-hmm. But Charity Fire, you know, about the uh, 1924 Olympics, the mm-hmm. two British runners who go against prejudice and adversity and, and win, for, win for some Christianity. Stuff. Yeah. And, Nigel uh, Havers and. Can't remember the other Yeah, I can't Nigel remember. Havers is there. <laughs> Nigel Havers and so- Nigel Havers and others. They have a good beach running scene with yeah. the the music, a bit Baywatchy almost. Mm-hmm. Perhaps the prototype for Baywatch. But the, you know the ultimate sort of sports movie yeah. song. Which takes us on to number one, which was also released in 1981. Excellent year for sporting underdogs, mm-hmm. which is the classic football team football uh, film oh, Escape yeah. to Victory. Yeah. Which if you haven't seen Escape to Victory, it, you must watch it because it's like a weird dream yeah. that you'd have. You'd go. Oh, I had the weirdest dream last night. Sylvester Stallone was in a prisoner of war camp with Pele and Bobby Moore and Michael Caine. And John Walk. And There's a couple of very odd, obscure footballers that make an appearance. Yeah, it's like the Ipswich team from 1981, <laughs> yeah. all extras in it. <laughs> yeah. And then they go and play football against the Nazis. Ozzy Ardiles is in it, I think. Yeah, Ozzy Ardiles. Yeah. And the best thing is Pele is, is uh, supposed to be from Trinidad. Yeah, I couldn't understand a word he said in yeah, the whole film. I don't think he understood a word he said either. Because Pele doesn't speak very good English now. <laughs> And back then, awful. Just couldn't understand a word. I mean, it, it's so—it's kind of crap, the film. But it's so crap that it's amazing because none of it makes any sense. Tell is like a mahogany sideboard as well. <laughs> he scores a bicycle kick, though. Know? Yeah, that's true. Sylvester Stallone attempts to play in goal very badly. Again, fighting against—you know—it wasn't the Cold War this time. 
He's brought down the Nazis. <laughs> he's brought down the communists. What more do you want the man to do? Do you think he can't speak? You never see anything like it. No. It's absolutely bizarre. And there's a great bit where the, they're, they're training the prisoner of war camp and the ball rolls over to the German officer. And it, it then cuts to some legs doing some kick-ups. <laughs> And then cuts back to this German officer with the ball, and it's so badly done. You're like, those were not his legs in a million years. They probably put too much budget into paying <laughs> paying the former footballers to be in the film. It's like, yeah, we we, we really can't afford to pay a good editor for this. It's yeah. Just... So I think Escape to Victory, the ultimate underdog story, because it's a film that never should have been made, and it was. That's an excellent list. I think um, I think I'd slot Cool Runnings into the somewhere in the top five. I'm not sure exactly where. Yeah. Maybe. But I'd, I'd want to keep dodgeball in there though as well, and and Caddyshack. But there's Caddyshack. so many. I think you could you could throw the wrestler in the list as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a that's a good one. Quite dark. Yeah. But uh, Mickey Rourke's good in it. It's a richer sort of genre than people might initially think. Yeah. And yet you've gone with Escape to Victory as your number one. You can't turn <laughs> you can't turn down Pele, Bobby Moore, Michael Caine, or Sylvester Stallone, and Ozzy Ardiles. That's true. Just I'm sold. Justified. Always worth a watch. We need to fit goal in there as well. Goal three. <laughs> goal three specifically. I want goal four to come out where he, he just ends up playing in the conference, semi semi retired. <laughs> so he's terrible. Yeah, that that could be the next one. Well, Jamie, the Jamie Vardy film. Yeah, well, the come Jamie out. Vardy story. That's uh, that's going to be a true underdog tale. It's going to trump a lot of them. Being off of WKD's left, right, and centre. Chat shit, get banged. That will obviously be the subtitle. Subheading of the film. Chat shit. No, that'll be the title. It will be just chat be... shit, get banged. The Jamie Vardy yeah. story. <laughs> especially applies to wingers. If you can't cross, don't run it through. Try and get a corner. A set piece works in our favour, which means that as they... Give me this. Kobe, after giving me ball, here I do this, 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 Go. Easy. <laughs> Well, that's everything from us, I'm afraid. So uh, remember to keep up with the Movie Men on Twitter and keep listening on SoundCloud and iTunes. We hope you enjoyed tonight's show. You can also see the latest from Johnny at thelatestpictureshow.com. What you got on there this week, Johnny? I'm um, not sure. I might make a list of questions I had at the end of Superman vs. Batman. <laughs> oh, God, that's, like a, that's more than a week's work. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a lifetime's work. Yeah. Why was Kevin Costner on the hill? <laughs> I have no answers. One of many, one of many pressing issues. <laughs> well thanks for joining me Johnny and thanks everyone else for listening as well so we'll be back next time to take a look at the Jungle Book until then everybody kiss my lucky egg